It takes more than replacing letters with numbers to be a G3TE6R engineer. <laughs> this is episode 335 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast, and I'm your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show where we talk about all of the non-technical things that go into this technical field of software development and, and ponder on this trend, which I found out has a name. Oh. A numeronym. It's a number-based word, like K9. Right. N-U-M-E-R-O-N-I-M. Don't you mean an N6M? Yeah. <laughs> as long as the other person already knows what you're trying to say, it is pretty efficient for compressing. <laughs> There is the slowdown at first when you develop an entirely new language that's purely context-based because you right. only know the first and last letter <laughs> and the me. length of the word. Sorry, numeronym. <laughs> it's an N7M. Sorry. Oh, I feel terrible. Oh. Rookie mistake <laughs> at numeronyms. After, yeah, after a while, your brain just counts letters automatically and yeah. you speak like that. I-18N is the one I've heard the most and then A-11Y, internationalization yep. and accessibility. And L-10N or Lion. What is L10N? Is Localization. Localization. It's, it's uh, internationalization's little friend. Okay. They do mean different things, though. Hmm. I believe you. I will not explain to you what, what that difference <laughs> is. <laughs> but promise, I okay. promise I do know. I promise that I super know as well. <laughs> Dave, do you want to thank our patrons? Yes, I do. Thanks to those that are contributing where they uh, get a shout out. One time, they are Joel Prale and the Saucy Paramecium. And to those that are contributing at the level where they get a weekly shout-out, they are Valentina Datafold, Santa Hopar, Noah Fraser-Logue, Kent C. Dodds, Memester Josh, Jenny Kim, Owen Chartle, Craig Motlin, I Love Mavis, The Stochastic Parrot, Alice Jost, Lanfuer, Puel Patreon.com.au, we're hiring, Ira Jan, Monkey Face Emoji, Jonathan King, Testing is Documenting.org, Oladapafadiyi, Will Angel, Ganarar. <laughs> okay, this this patron has been rearranging the order of letters every month. And I'm starting to see I'm finally starting to see the pattern. And, and I love it. <laughs> Ganarar. Capital R in the middle there. Okay. Nick Hathaway, Travis Sanders, Braden Keynes, John Grant, Compilator with a K dot S E, Cody Sale, Nick Cantar, and Philip John Basile. If you would like to join this illustrious crew of contributors to the podcast, all you have to do is go to softskills.audio and click the support us on Patreon button. And you can contribute any dollar amount you like to get access to our Slack community. Or you can contribute an exorbitant amount of money, both signaling your wealth and virtue. And we will send you an invitation. No, we will not. (laughs) I said that totally wrong. We will say your name or any phrase or safe for work word or emoji of your choice on the podcast every single week. Without fail. I'm sure you did a really great job on that. I was looking up what a paramecium is. <laughs> and apparently it's a single-celled organism. A genus of eukaryotic unicellular ciliates. Huh. Oh, I remember looking at these as a, in school. Don't they have hairs that move them around on the surface? Wow. How did you know that? I Googled it and saw a picture and remembered. Oh, okay. <laughs> thought, <laughs> thought you just have this knowledge sitting in your brain of like random facts that will come up someday i did have it but it needed to be signaled by or electrocuted a little bit i've probably got some like floating around in my body right now paramecium oh yeah are they mostly uh bad for you i don't know it's in brackish water yeah stagnant basins and ponds not my Mm. favorite not my favorite thing to drink well well thank you saucy paramecium for your support 
Usually you just cause infections. The sauce is the stagnant water. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we, should we dive into our questions? Yep. Will you take the first one? Yes, this is from an anonymous listener who says, Greetings, Jameson and Dave. Love the show and all your shenanigans. I'm a mid-level dev who has quit my job, trademark, a few times. (laughs) While I feel like I've absorbed some good experience from each company I've been at, I also feel like my training is not yet complete. At my last company, I hit my ceiling as a dev, but I also felt the bar was really low. I had to do a lot of hand-holding and fielded a lot of engineer questions that could have easily been Googled, and it was really frustrating. But now I'm at a place where I feel everyone else is head and shoulders above me. The tables have turned. I'm trying to learn as much as I can on my own, but I found there are limits to what I can do. I feel like I'm drowning, but I'm I'm timid to ask too many questions because I remember how annoying it was to get pinged every 10 minutes <laughs> at my previous job. <laughs> What are some tips you have to navigate the murky waters of being a mid-level dev wanting to learn as much as possible to become a seasoned dev without giving off an intern smell? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's a vivid metaphor. Okay. The, I, I swear we're living in a simulation and I'll tell you why. This question says, I feel like my training was not yet complete, which evoked a, a mental image for me of Star Wars, the original series. Your training is not yet complete. I think, I don't know who said it, the line, but it, it evoked that image. And the very next question in our backlog actually made a reference to Ben Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker from the prequels, which for this one moment, I will admit, do actually exist so that I can acknowledge the simulation that we're living in. Are you af- offended by them? Well, I can't be offended by something that doesn't exist, so no. Okay. <laughs> Disgusted by the I- idea of them if they were to exist. Right. <laughs> Yes. They're as good as normal Star Wars. That's how I feel. To you? That's the most offensive thing I think I could say right now. Oh, Jameson. <laughs> like the only thing we disagree on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is interesting. Yeah. I uh, bet. Uh, what, oh, go ahead. Well, what is the intern smell? <laughs> Smells like fresh coffee <laughs> and enthusiasm. Be- being delivered on a tray to yeah. all the team members. Hey, everyone. Fresh c- coffee and and... Lack of cynicism. <laughs> what does cynicism smell like? Interns smell like the opposite of that. <laughs> Whatever the room I'm in smells like. That's what cynicism smells like to you. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So, yeah, this is interesting. You're you're worried about being the person you were annoyed at at your last job. Yes. Okay. I was going to say, I expect that you are not asking things that are easily Googleable. But there's a skill in knowing how to Google a question. And sometimes you don't even have the foundation of knowledge to know what to Google. So maybe to you, they were easily Google Googleable because you knew the answer already. And like you knew the magic phrases. So I'm going to start by planting some doubt in your mind before <laughs> I tell you that they're probably good questions. But maybe, okay. they're, maybe the other questions were good questions to the asker. Yeah, are you asking questions about context that is not public knowledge of the system. You're not going to be able to Google like what the engineer who left four years ago was thinking when right. they built this system that way. Right, of course. Or or like abstractions that are internal or things like that. Um, a- asking why a lot of the time is is a good question and is not easy to Google for. So you're saying that when you have a very specific question, you should try to hide that question inside of a more reasonable question that no senior engineer will balk at, such as, could you please share the historical context to, the, the, 
that led to this sequence of design decisions. What's the hidden question? The hidden question is, why am I getting this null pointer exception? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Please share the decisions that led to me typing this code right here that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Show me the architecture decision record yes. <laughs> where we decided to use a language with null so I could blame it on that. And then, and then your engineer sits back and goes, hmm. I see you found another null pointer exception you're struggling to debug, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's me again. Null you pointer kid. Me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so so if there are questions that you, you could not reasonably figure out by looking around at public material, that's a good sign. Mm -hmm. There's also some feedback you'll get from the company. Different places have different tolerance for questions. I have worked at places where... There's kind of some grumpiness and it's sort of like a begrudging willingness to help up to a certain extent. And then after that, you, You're on your own, you kid. get the grumpies. Yeah, yeah. And I've worked at places where people go out of their way and, and put in intense amounts of effort to answer questions and make sure that your, all of your follow-up questions are taken care of. Thank you for like the question. The second one. And, and here's three more questions you forgot to ask. I'll go ahead and answer them now. Yeah, I, I love that vibe in the second one but it's not always like that so if you see rolling eyes or if you're in slack and you see the rolling eyes emoji it's funny because like <laughs> which one of those is communicating a stronger feeling is it hard so let's see sometimes i conflate the rolling eyes and the like left and right looking eyes that mean i'm looking into this oh i'm offended a lot basically is what that means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the eyes so okay now we got to get to the bottom of this because there are the rolling eyes and then there are the eyes where you make them look to the left and the right. And then there are the eyes that are just like looking and maybe they're looking one direction. But to me, those all mean very different things where the left and right looking eyes are sort of like the, I don't know what's going on here. Kind of like looking around in confusion. The staring eyes mean I'm looking into this thing. The uh, and the rolling eyes, if you like the person means this is a joke. And if you don't, means like, I'm, I hate you so, so much. <laughs> I just have to wonder, whoever, whenever the committee decided to go ahead and bring emojis into mainstream language use, if, if they were motivated by the tenet that English doesn't have enough ambiguity in it, we need to just go mm. ahead and inject some visual imagery that will undoubtedly mean different things to different people. I would use an emoji to preserve <laughs> the illusion that I... I'm thinking smart things right now. The starry eyes? <laughs> sure. Yeah, the starry eyes one. Yeah, that seems appropriate here. I'm I actually just deployed the paramecium eyes emoji. <laughs> the hairy single celled eyes. <laughs> yeah. That sounds horrifying. Yeah. But yeah, there there might be some context clues of how annoying you are. You could also just ask, like, hey, is this annoying? Is this too much? Is this getting in the way of, of your work? And some people might tell and, you. And that I would recommend do, doing in real time, either by video yeah. call or in person. Because what's going to happen is you're going <laughs> to ask that question over Slack. And then you'll see like, so-and-so is typing, dot, 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 then not typing. Yeah. And then a minute later, yeah. so-and-so is typing. <laughs> and you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, that that is a, that's a really interesting like sideband method of communicating information. Yeah. You always know something tricky is going on. You said in person or over video. 
Yeah. And I was wondering how you feel about the singing telegram as an alternative <laughs> method of communication. <laughs> I feel great about it. Okay. Shows that extra touch. Actually, it wouldn't be too hard to, these days with ChatGPT. It could probably just generate the lyrics for you, maybe even the mm. harmonies. Now you just mm. got to find some voice talent. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder if someone has tried to do... Because I've seen people write code with ChatGPT. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if someone has tried to generate like some kind of textual musical notation. I don't know. I haven't seen notation yet, but I've seen lyrics. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I'm wondering, like, I don't know. I bet you could say, write me some guitar tab. Yeah, you like probably that. could. I should look into that. They're, they do, that same group, OpenAI, has a project called Jukebox that I don't yet, I don't think is yet open to the public, but it has generated straight up fully produced music hmm. with words, instruments, and everything. Every day I reassure myself, but surely my job will never be <laughs> replaceable by that. It's just the country singers surely. that are going to lose their jobs. <laughs> yeah. First, it was just the professional chess players right. that have all been obsolete now. Okay, what was I saying? Look for context signals that it's it's that it's too annoying. much. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm going to pause for you to say smart stuff. Okay. That's my next move. <laughs> nice move. Go. Is that is that what your chess <laughs> AI told you to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have an idea. So one thing I like to do when I start a new job, no matter how senior or junior I am, is I like to keep a question accumulator. Because one of the things that the question asker mentioned is, I remember how annoying it was to get pinged every 10 minutes at my previous job. Yes, that is annoying. It is impossible to get work done with with interruptions that have a 10-minute period. So instead, I like to write down my questions in an accumulator. And then I go put time on the calendar of people who I think can answer those questions. And I'll actually sit down with them either you know at their desk or on a call. And I will put the questions up in textual form for us to reference together. And we'll just work through them top to bottom. And the beauty of this is you know when you're done... And you've defragmented that person's calendar so that they have one segment where they have all the all the question answering they have to do. And uh, they'll probably be very grateful to you for that professional courtesy. Yeah, that's also convenient in another way. I find that often I will ask questions that at some later point I will uncover the answer to. I just didn't know it when I asked. That's right. And so batching them up that way lets you also un- uncover the answers you would get if you just kept going. Yes. And you can you can even apply a debounce algorithm to your question list where you say, um, anytime I mutate the question list, I impose a 24-hour timeout on actually asking any of these questions. That way, you might actually find that over the next 24 hours, you discover some of the answers and you don't have to bother anyone at all. Yeah, I like that. Everyone is head and shoulders above me. I mean, this is this is what a lot of people want, right? Don't don't, isn't it a common desire to want to work with people who are who are just really talented so that you can learn from them? I think you're in a good situation because of that. Didn't ask too many questions. Another thing that you could do is have some kind of like regular mentorship relationship. This is similar to your batching up questions thing because that's a thing you can do with a mentoring relationship is bring batched up questions, but it doesn't have to be exactly that. If, if there's someone who is kind of your, your go-to person that you can explore stuff you aren't familiar with, that can be useful. It can be useful to have a guide to lead you through the, the spelunking, through the complicated and dangerous cave system that is the technical systems at your company. Here, put this headlight on before we open this code. Yeah. And this helmet. Do not touch that rock <laughs> <laughs> or it will all come tumbling down. Yeah, that one, that one holds up the whole cavern. Yeah, that's a load-bearing pebble. 
<laughs> that's a load-bearing NPM module that's been abandoned. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you laugh, I cry. <laughs> it hits home. I have one more idea to offer, which is that when you are asking questions, I'm, I'm really latching onto this word annoying in the original question asker. One thing that can make questions annoying is if it's clear that the question asker didn't do any work before showing up to ask the question. You know, mm. it's like, I saw this, I didn't Google it. I didn't look for other references to this in our code. I didn't search our documentation repository. I didn't even try it. I didn't run the code. I didn't even try to compile it. I didn't down, I didn't get clone the code, nothing. And so if you will come with your list of questions and then under each question, a sub list of the things that you have tried to answer that question and explain that to the question asker, not only will that make them think, wow, this person's great. They really try hard. They are They are coming to me not out of laziness, but out of a curiosity to learn. And they're, you know, I am the best source clearly after all that they've done. But also, it will help them to give you a better answer because they won't waste time with things that you've already tried. Yeah. Did you try Googling it? <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. I like that. I tried turning it off and on again. <laughs> uh, you might be seeing some pages. <laughs> Uh, okay well have we answered the question i think so um i I think that uh, just to to put a final point on my thoughts i think that this question asker might be putting too much fear into their inability to ask interesting questions to the people that need to answer them i actually think that a lot of people like to answer well-formed questions from people who obviously took their time to really, uh, to really formulate the question effectively so that the uh, question asker can have a productive response. And, and then again, last thing, after, not this is not, I said again, but actually this is not a repeat. After you get the answer, be sure to thank the, the question answerer profusely. You know, say thank you and tell them you really appreciate their time and just make sure that they know that it's time well spent and that you're going to remember it. And then don't ask them the same question again. Just write down the answers and then don't come back again with that exact same question. Yeah. The singing telegram comes in handy here again for the, the thank you note. You can write an ode to the question answerer. <laughs> That's a good idea. All right. <laughs> Speaking of question answers, that's what we are with that question. Yeah, and that last one was a cry for help. We just we answer so many questions and very rarely do people actually send us a singing telegram to say thank you. <laughs> saying that was that was an unmet need that I'm expressing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm subtly hinting at. I could count on one hand the number of singing telegrams Jameson has received as a thank you for his question answers. Mm. I mean, it's a fisted hand, but it is one. I mean, they never say whether that's an upper or lower bound. Like I could count on infinity hands, the number of <laughs> singing telegrams I've received as well. I could count on 17 hands. How many? <laughs> it's zero. Okay. Yeah, they just they just all be closed. Yeah. Okay, Dave, will 17 you 17 fists. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, now for real. That's a message all of its own. If you're counting on 17 closed fists, that, that gets threatening. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Will you read our next question? Yes, this comes from a listener named Charlie who says, nearly all your answers presuppose a software engineer has a good manager and leadership. Why is this? (laughs) That's the whole question. (laughs) That one hits home. Oh, yeah. I love this question. It's very introspective. It is. 
so we were talking about this a little bit and I think one answer is I think you said this Dave so I'll, I will say it but give you the credit all right you'll you'll win the soft skills bucks or I don't know <laughs> okay. whatever the credit is whatever whatever unit it is it's hard to predict behavior of of bad leadership and bad management because there are so many different ways to be bad yeah that that if we're trying to defensively assume if we're trying to defensively like guard against okay but what if they screw up in this way when you bring them this problem it's it's tough to get anywhere i guess there's there's too many ways for that to go south or to explode into a combinatoric nightmare of like yeah. quad, quadrillions of prim- that's why we just didn't want to we know the answer we just didn't want to spend 10 universe lifetimes explaining all the different permutations of wrong mm. just for time constraints. Also, we couldn't find a podcasting hosting storage system that would allow us to store that much audio. <laughs> Not yet. There's a market opportunity out there for some combination decision tree podcast storage. So why do you think this is, Dave? I think it's because I'm hopelessly optimistic and uh, I've lived a charmed life. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you have had bad leadership or bad managers? I think that I have not. I have had unskilled leadership and managers, but I have Hmm. not had bad faith actors as leaders, I think. People who actually don't have the best interests of their team at heart. They exist. I just don't think I've had them in my own team. I think I'm the same. Yeah, I've definitely had people who I, I disagreed with some of the things that they did or ways they approached problems. But I feel like we were definitely working towards the same goal. Hmm. But I, you know, you, we hear so often, and maybe this is a kind of an effect of our cynical culture that we live in, but we hear so often about nefarious people. I mean, just, I won't say any names, but in the headlines just recently, there was someone who billed themselves as essentially the, the biggest philanthropist the planet has ever seen but then maybe not actually in reality a philanthropist, <laughs> you know? And so I think a lot of times we wonder, am I working for someone like that? Is my boss secretly working to undermine me? And then I we hear stories about this kind of thing all the time where people report that their boss was trying to manage them out or had some motivation that didn't actually align with the team's success, you know, mm-hmm. or some political relationship within the company that cause them to make choices that that undermine their own team. This kind of stuff we hear about it all the time, but I I wonder if it's a survivorship bias or a sample bias kind of thing where there just can't be that many bad actors to where that needs to be our default answer, you know? Hmm. Like if we're shooting for the 80% accurate answer, it seems like uh, again, maybe I'm <laughs> maybe I'm just a hopeless optimist, but it seems yeah. like if we're shooting for the 80% case, we're probably got to assume good intentions and decent competency. I was thinking about Hanlon's razor, never ascribed to malice that which is adequately explained by ignorance, I think is how I've heard it before, which is similar to what you were talking about with with lack of skill. It's it's really easy to screw up but be trying to do the right thing and and that can look like incompetence. And Sometimes the the lever you have as a manager or leader is bigger, so your mistakes can have larger impact. There's there's kind of more responsibility and more of a spotlight on you. So I I, I feel like 
I feel like most of the leaders and managers I work with have been flawed humans who get stuff wrong sometimes, just like everyone else I work with. But the impact of getting stuff wrong can be bigger as a manager, so it sticks out yes. more. I wonder if that's why... And there's there's the power dynamics that go around that go with that. Like if if you have a weird conversation with a coworker and you think, huh, that's kind of awkward, you might say, "All right, back to work." Yeah. If you have a weird conversation with your boss and think that's kind of awkward, maybe they're like plotting against me. That like that doesn't that that possibility doesn't come to mind as easily with without the difference in in power dynamics. Right. And may, and maybe I'll spend the next few days losing sleep over this awkward conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So what's that? There's got to be a name for this bias, right? Call it Dave's Law. The, oh, man, I was going to call it the Jameson Law. <laughs> no, because that's that's one of the laws is you can never name it after. Uh, well, I'm being pretty prideful here by assuming that I have formulated a new name-worthy law. But one of the laws is you can never name it after the person who formulated it. It has to always be someone else. Someone who stole the recognition and who's better at marketing. Yeah, and there's a name for that law and it's not named after the person who coined it so what is what is the bias here it's it's that like you'll perceive i don't know weaknesses or flaws or failures they'll, they'll be magnified in positions of leadership or something like that mm-hmm. exactly when there is a power differential in a relationship then otherwise innocuous behaviors have like unreasonable or inequitable impact yeah th this is why they've never named a law after me <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna write this down this sounds cool well not cool as in like it's, oh neat it sounded pretty good until i tried yeah. to say the words <laughs> no that's an interesting thought i'm sure there's a name for this already i've i'm too skeptical of my own smarts to think like no one has ever thought this before yeah Kind of going back to the original question, you know, all of our answers presuppose a software engineer has a good manager in leadership. I think, I think what we, the reason I say so often, go talk to your manager about this and here's how you can say it, is because you have to at least try to engage your manager because it is their job. It's kind of like the same way that a company presupposes that it has good engineers working at the company every time they send a, a JIRA ticket to an engineer to work on. You know, it's I'm kind of presupposing because it's your job that you can mm. do this ticket. And I think as a manager, we presuppose it because it's actually in their job description to handle the situation. So we send you there first. But trust me, Jameson and I are both very much aware that not all managers or leadership are going to respond well to that. And so maybe maybe what we should start doing is saying, okay, go to your manager, say this. Then if they say the following, you're good. And if they say anything else, you're in a bad situation with bad manager and yeah. bad leadership. And the universe of anything else is so big that we can't tell you what it's going to be. But go ahead and submit another question to our Soft Skills Engineering Podcast question backlog. And in six years, we will answer that question. <laughs> you'll be and you'll one know what step further along down this decision yeah. tree. Let's just say the, the Soft Skills Engineering REPL is very, very slow. <laughs> I, I do wonder if they're, I feel very snooty while I'm saying this, which is never a good sign, but I wonder if there's some amount of like, have have we, have we chosen or been sorted into places where like things are generally all right, you know, like generally, like maybe the situations we have ended up with are not representative of the talent level of management and leadership as yeah. a whole. 
I think that's probably true. I mean, just given for for every Dave and Jameson who have lived a charmed life with a career full of supportive and reasonably competent engineers or sorry leaders, there is a a Dave and Jameson <laughs> pair who in another universe had one hundred percent evil and incompetent managers. Yeah, I wonder if it's maybe does it have something to do with like it, which industry you're in or maybe location? Maybe there's there's I don't know a less strong software industry in a place that you're working and so the the overall talent level is lower i don't know i it's not really an answer at all but i am wondering if general things seem pretty okay is the is not the norm you you mentioned maybe it's the 80 percent case and and that feels high to me based on my scientific gut i asked my what is that thing named i asked my paramecium my paramecium's <laughs> paramecii what is the plural of that word I asked them. Uh, paramecia. paramecia. I asked my paramecia. That's what I mean when I say ask my gut. That is correct. I just Googled it nice. after I said it that time. Good job. And what? And your paramecium said what? There was no consensus. <laughs> they were unhelpful. Okay. Talk, talk, about, talk about a power imbalance. <laughs> that paramecium is like one swipe of the hand yep. and we're all dead. It said, I'm just trying to kill you here. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So is there a more general lesson or principle here besides maybe Jameson and, and Dave are kind of naive? <laughs> which is a good yeah. lesson to take. I, I mean, there's also another related possibility, which is maybe Jameson and Dave are white guys with beards and kind of like fit the the mold a little bit. And, and not everyone's experience is the same, especially if they, they come from, from different backgrounds. That could have... That could have something to do with the observation as well. Yeah. So I guess what you're saying is that one manager or one leader could actually create more trouble for different team members on the same team, depending on how that manager or leader perceives them. To, yeah. You know, yeah. Or, and uh, it, it could be uh, does it could or doesn't be like explicit them. and deliberate. It could be implicit bias. It could be unconscious. It could be at any number of reasons. And But that that fact alone, if a manager singles out people on the team... And treats them poorly, but treats other teams well, or other team members well, is in and of itself uh, one of these indicators that the manager is not the rosy, perfect leader, you know. And so, just I guess the question we just haven't been the recipient of that, <laughs> of that bad behavior. Like it's quite possible that others on our teams or people surrounding on us, surrounding us, have been the recipient. What's the opposite of beneficiary? Where you something actually harms you? Beneficiary. I think it. Be I think. <laughs> Bad. We haven't been the bad officiary <laughs> uh, of of these bad leaders, even though they were yeah. bad. <laughs> well said. I think you should. I think we should name a law after you with that kind bad of wording. Officiary. It's yeah. good. Jameson's law of bad neologisms. So what what is the lesson or takeaway here? Stop listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> That is not where I was hoping this would go, but your logic is I mean, ironclad. I mean, sorry, I meant li listen more. Listen more. That's oh man. Sorry, the marketing team always gets after me for saying Actually, that. Actually, I have I have a positive spin on that, which is a lot of this is caused by just the the general low skill of engineering management. It sounds really bad when I say it that way. Say it that way. <laughs> People get roped into it. They don't often 
deliberately choose and and certainly don't like study or prep a lot to go into it. So there's a lot of engineering managers out there who are competent technical folks who who talk real good, you know. And and turns out that's not enough. So I think part of what we do by presupposing a good manager is is help our listeners have expectations of what good behavior looks like. And and that can be useful as that percolates out into the world. Maybe that will influence leaders and managers to to get better. Either through the listeners themselves as, as they go into those positions or or just like if you bring a problem to your boss and and frame it in a certain way that is helpful, that might help them understand, oh, this is this is like the right way to solicit feedback from people or, or something like that. Does that kind of make sense? I see. I can count all the cents oh, on many hands. But, and you can't count on no hands. Got it. That's right. <laughs> if it does require some <laughs> hands to count. Yeah. It. Well, my brain's empty. All right. Yep. <laughs> we drained it. Let's call it. All right. What can people do if they want their own questions answered? Dave? Go to softskills.audio and click the ask a question button. And we, as always, we send out a heartfelt, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to Work in the word paramecium here, but a heartfelt from the from the bottom of heart paramecium. Felt, that's right. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who has submitted questions. We absolutely love them. Keep them coming. The more, the merrier. You should see Jameson's eyes light up every time he opens the the backlog and sees more questions. It's like Christmas morning every single I, week. I believe in Santa again. <laughs> yeah. Now, just thinking about the idea of having a single pet, single celled organism. That, that you you're very attached to <laughs> you've like anthropomorphized probably more than it deserves you're trying to pr- keep it alive you can you have to use a microscope to even see it yeah yeah <laughs> it has like a two hour long lifespan that you're somehow really invested in <laughs> my paramecium is like 87 no. in paramecium years <laughs> i can't miss these essential bonding moments that, slash last moments together (laughs) all right (laughs) well i think that means we're done (laughs) thanks for listening we will catch you next week